0: Welcome to the Bud and Blossom podcast. I'm Heather Dagley, and I'm here to share all the ways cannabis can help you to live your very best life. I know from personal experience that when we smoke bud, we're able to blossom into the person we were always intended to be. So sit back, light up your favorite strain, and enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Bud and Blossom podcast. I hope you're enjoying the changing season and settling into fall. For me, fall brings the opportunity to embark on many mushroom hunting sessions with my husband and my friends. It's seriously my favorite thing ever. If you've never spent a day mushroom hunting, then I highly recommend it. My favorite hobby is to bring my cannabis vape pen along with me for some mushroom-filled walks. And when I'm in an enlightened state, I swear, the mushrooms find me. I don't even pick them or eat them or anything. I just like to admire the weird little aliens that pop out of the ground in the fall. Anyway, I'm so stoked to share today's interview with you. Today's episode features an interview with blogger, podcaster, and integrative health coach, Sarah McLeod. Sarah was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and Lyme disease as a young woman, and she has used cannabis to help her treat her diagnoses and regain control of her health. Sarah shares that throughout her health challenges, she has had to step into becoming her own health advocate. She shares how she wants others to be aware that, even when it comes to working with doctors and other health care providers, they, the patient, are ultimately in charge. Sarah's an advocate for patients being empowered to take control of their own health care, and I'm heartened by her passion around this topic. Toward the end of the interview, Sarah drops an excellent wellness tip. Spend some time finding yourself. Make room for mindfulness and stillness, especially while we're in this moment of quarantine. It's time to determine what makes you joyful and happy and step toward that in your own way. And when you need to, protect your own energy. I couldn't agree more. And with that, here's my interview with my friend and colleague, Sarah McLeod. I'm here today with my friend and colleague, Sarah McLeod. So excited to have her on the podcast today. Hey, Sarah.
1: Hey, Heather. Thanks for
0: having me. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. For everybody listening, Sarah and I met online probably about a year ago now. Sarah's an integrative cannabis coach with a focus on holistic spirituality and women's empowerment. Her platform includes her health coaching business, which is called Hold Fast Healing, and her blog platform, Plutonian Pancreas. She also runs Grace and Growth, which is an awesome community for people with diabetes to come together and share their experiences. And she's also a yoga teacher, Reiki practitioner, astrologer, tarot card enthusiast, sarah seriously does it all so there's a lot here to tap into one of the things that really unites sarah and i is our shared passion for cannabis which is something that came out pretty early in our conversation so let's dive into your personal cannabis story just kind of start there you in your work you you share a lot about how you've used cannabis to improve your health can you walk us through what that journey looked like um, and and what initially sparked your interest in cannabis
1: Absolutely. So I, um, I've been using cannabis since I was 16 years old. And so at the time I probably wouldn't have identified with using cannabis for health reasons back then, but certainly, um, you know, now when I, when I think about what health and wellness means to me, I can recognize how I was using cannabis for wellness, even back then, you know, as a way to deal with stress as a way to, to deal with some of the aches and pains. I was, you know, an athlete, very active in high school and, my body took a lot of beatings being a goalkeeper. So I would constantly have, you know, aches and pains and being a lady as well. We get, you know, that monthly visitor that can cause some uncomfortable feelings. And then in my teenage years, I actually suffered from some pretty bad menstrual cramps. I I used to really enjoy the benefits of cannabis. However, because, you know, that was back, um, you know, in the early mid two thousands, whatever, it wasn't really talked about so much as, as for wellness. And, and certainly I was living with my parents. So I wasn't really able to, to partake maybe as much as I would. Like, but things started to change when I um, started to have some complications related to my type one diabetes. So I was diagnosed as a, a freshman in high school with diabetes, and type one diabetes is an autoimmune condition. So it has nothing to do with your lifestyle choices. It has nothing to do with you know what you've eaten. Really, this was my my body attacking itself. So unfortunately, the part of my body that was attacked was the 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 pancreas. And hence the name Plutonian pancreas. You know, the pancreas is what produces insulin, which is what allows your body to use the glucose that you get from carbohydrates. So it's not just sugar. It actually is carbohydrate. The glucose from carbohydrates is converted into energy. But in, in order for your body to use that energy, you need insulin. Insulin's like the key to open the door. So it's kind of, you know, it actually really relates kind of in a way to the endocannabinoid system. You know, it's really, um, if you understand that system, you, you can start to understand diabetes a little bit more as well and the role that insulin does play. So for me, I had struggled with diabetes. I had struggled with depression and, you know, with diabetes denial and with burnout. And these are all terms that I've I've been able to adopt along the way. But initially, what really spoke to me was this phrase, diabulimia. And so when you hear diabulimia, you think, you know, are you throwing up? It has nothing to do with purge through, you know, throwing up the food that you've eaten as, you know, traditional bulimia might suggest. Diabulimia is purging of the calories through insulin omission. So because I was choosing to not take my insulin, which honestly, it was, it was stressful. It was a lot of responsibility and and I just didn't want to do it. So that was easy enough to make that choice. It, It wasn't something I wanted to do anyways. But when I saw the added benefit of, you know, when I wouldn't take my insulin, genes were a little bit looser and, I felt a little bit more confident because, you know, my clothes weren't so tight. And, you know, being an athlete, I was always celebrated for being strong and for being, you know, robust. And, you know, I was, you know, quote unquote, always like the big girl, like in elementary school pictures, I was tall and, you know, just, just a little bit bigger, um, you know, never, never overweight, especially now looking back. <laughs> I don't know what I saw back then, you know, what, why my eyes saw what they saw because as an adult now, um, you know, I see, I just see a girl, you know, Pretty average girl, and so that's definitely something to think about at this point in my life. So, so I had not been doing very well managing my diabetes, and part of your diabetes uh, management includes something called an A1C. And so, my A1C was an upwards of 18, which when I tell people with diabetes that, their their mouths fall open because to have that level of an A1C and be alive even is is pretty remarkable. So. So it meant that my blood sugars were well over 500 daily, and and really your blood sugar should be about 100. Right. So if that's for measurement, um, a normal blood sugar for somebody without diabetes is probably between about eighty and one twenty. You know, you might you might jump up a little bit, maybe eat some white rice, some Chinese food or something. Um, even people without diabetes might see that spike. But you're never gonna get up to like the high one hundreds or two hundreds where someone like myself might be traveling without the proper insulin. And you know, insulin's not the only way to get your blood sugar to come down. Exercise and you know, all all sorts of stuff um, can impact our blood sugar, you know, our stress levels, you know, that time of the month can impact your blood sugar. So Mm -hmm. it's not just as simple as food versus insulin. There's actually like just so many variables to think about. And and I, I do think that that's why, um, you know, I started to think about, you know, how can I manage some of these symptoms that I was experiencing from these diabetes complications in a way that's going to support me in the long haul, because I am very young. And after having gone through diabulimia, I wasn't properly educated on how to bring myself back into balance. So we don't want to do anything to an extreme, right? We want to take things step by step, because that's how we lead to sustainable changes that can support us in the long run. and. You because I wasn't educated properly, I dropped that number from high 18 down to about 11 or 12 initially very quickly and then kept lowering it. However, that wasn't a good idea. So we don't yeah. want to take ourselves out of that state of homeostasis. No matter where your balance is, you're going to have to start coming down a little slower. So so for me, I ended up with some of the complications I was trying to avoid. So I had been warned, you know, your A1C is too high, your blood sugars are out of control. You're going to you're going to get, you know, neuropathy. You're going to go blind. You're going to do all, all these things are going to be wrong with you. So I I snapped myself into gear and, and lowered that number. And guess what? I ended up with excruciating stomach pains and I was unable to walk Uh because my body was in such a state of distress. It's like my nerves were screaming. Every nerve in my body was screaming. And at the same time, as fate would have it, I also was diagnosed with Lyme disease. So I live in New England, and the tick population is just so prevalent. And I know it, since this time period, so this was 2011, mm-hmm. this has become such an issue in this country. And, I, you know, I'm not actually familiar with Lyme around the world, but I am assuming that it's something that's impacting people far and wide. And and it's nothing to, you know, bat an eyelash at. It's, it's some pretty serious stuff. So it, between the diabetes and also the Lyme disease... Now, I really wasn't, wasn't sure where to place, you know, the highest percentage of blame. So spending a lot of time in the hospital, I was spending all my time in bed. I had towels up on the windows to block out the sun. I mean, the mental health issues that were happening during that time As I was 21 years old. You know, I was missing out on the college experience because I had been so ill um, post high school that I, I hadn't been able to, day in the program that I had been accepted into, right. you know, and it, it wasn't because of my inability to complete the work or to, to know the answers. It was because my attendance was not acceptable. And yeah, so it, to kind of bring that back around to cannabis here, I decided that I didn't want to be a girl on a feeding tube. I'm already wearing, you know, a continuous glucose monitor to, to check My number is every five minutes, my blood sugar, I wear an insulin pump, you know, I have all this technology and, and you know, God bless anyone that needs that intervention of of a feeding tube or any other medical intervention. You know, there's, we're blessed that there's options out there and that there's ways that we can keep people alive and keep people healthy. But I knew for me, there's something that I can do that that will allow me to avoid having my body invaded in, in such a way, you know. I've been very ill and I've never had a surgery. No one's ever had to cut into me for all that's wrong with me. And I just, I have to attribute my cannabis use to the fact that I was not put on a feeding tube in 2011. Right, And I wonder had I been put on that feeding tube, you know, it's like, it's like what they're talking about right now with these ventilators. It's like, once you make that next step, it's like, how much does the health decline just because that step had to be taken? So I was really concerned that that a feeding tube would be that, that first kind of step down that path of like, well, this is your life now. Like you're the sick girl. And, and I've worked hard at, you know, removing some of the labels I even give to myself, even like introducing myself on a podcast. It's like, you know, do I say I'm a health coach? Do I say I'm a yoga teacher? Like, do I say I'm an astrologer? Like these are all labels. And and for me, uh, you know, so much of my life has been just stripping myself of these labels and who I am is, is a being on this planet who's meant to serve and and to give love and to share kindness and compassion with others. And I can't do that stuck in my bed. So for me, like, I just think about how, you know, I knew that I was feeling called to help others. And I knew that I had to figure out a way for myself and pharmaceuticals just were not the answer I had tried. And and i do believe that i have a strong intuition and something about me has always felt that these things were just not for me and and i knew through my recreational cannabis use that cannabis was something that really did help me when i wasn't feeling very well and right. so so I had started to use cannabis at night when my parents would go to bed and, you know, things started to, to improve for me. I was able to get into a physical therapy program where I was doing pool therapy and land therapy so that I could basically learn how to walk again at the age of 21. Um, you know, I had lost a lot of weight. I was under a hundred pounds, it's not a place I ever want to be again. Right. And and all the while, I, I, I was still trying to get over some of those experiences that I had, um, you know, with with body image issues with, you know, just, just being, being a girl in the world, man, it's a lot of pressure. And, and I think, you know, I grew up with so many peers that had that, you know, they didn't have a woman's body when they were teenagers, they had a teenager's body and I never got the teenage body. So I felt like I had missed out on something and, and to think that I had to, to try to make myself be that, like, it's just, it's so sad to me and, and I'm really happy to, to now be into my 20s, you know, approaching 30 and, and feeling confident um, in who I am as a woman because, you know, I think everyone deserves to feel comfortable in the skin that they're in because at the end of the day, it's just the vessel that carries the soul, the spirit and the spirit who you are on the inside. You know, it seems so simple. We learn it when we're kids, but it really is all that matters. And through all that illness, who I was on the inside, it didn't match who I wanted it to be. Yeah. Even though I had that love, even though I had that desire to serve and to give compassion to others, you know, I was very unhappy. And and it's taken many many years to even have the semblance of balance um, that I have now. Which you know, as I was sharing before we started recording, like that the fragility of mental health even on the best of days is is so concerning and and for all that's going on these days you know it it's kind of taking me back in a way to to the beginning of when i really started to make that transformation so So for me, you know, relying on cannabis for not only just um, relieving my nausea, so I have something called gastroparesis, chronic nausea and vomiting. It's basically like having morning sickness
0: for the rest of your life, which is a bummer. That sounds very challenging. So how does the cannabis help with that?
1: it definitely helps to eliminate some of the pain that i feel after um after i eat. So so for me at least at this point especially you know after a lot of the healing that i've done over the years i feel okay if i eat something and then an hour will go by and i'm like okay like I still feel like I took that last bite. It's almost like like on Thanksgiving when you finish and you're like, oh, I gotta unbutton my jeans and sit here for a minute. And that's kind of what was happening to me was my body wasn't able to 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 release to empty the stomach. So it was sitting in my stomach. And sometimes the food would begin to rot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would have like burps that tasted and smelled like like rotten eggs but part of that also was part of the treatments that they were giving you so some of the treatments that they were suggesting I mean Ugh. beyond the stuff that they had given me for my neuropathy pain. So I also have diabetic neuropathy throughout my body. I was on Lyrica, Cymbalta, Neurotin, and Gabapentin. And these were things like I had never even heard of Gabapentin back then, back then. Now I know it to be what it is. And I can't even believe that that was something that I just had bottles of. Like, right. And I wouldn't take it because it, it honestly, it didn't really make me feel any better. didn't make me feel good. And and I was labeled non-compliant because I would try something and, and it wouldn't work for me and they wouldn't want to talk about any other solutions. And, and it was very frustrating being sent to a, a dietitian who was going to tell you, okay, we know you have diabetes, but because you have gastroparesis, you need to eat white bread, right. white flour white sugar things, like just plain, 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 plain. And I'm someone that loves vegetables. I love healthy eating. I'm very into holistic health. You know, I have ended up in the hospital because I've eaten cauliflower rice. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. I think you would learn your lesson, but, but really it's been an experimentation of finding what cannabis products help to support me. But, but it's not just about the cannabis, it's about all the other aspects of that holistic lifestyle. So it's about Managing my stress, you know, moving my body. So movement is so important, and and that's really how I got into the yoga stuff. Was because I thought, you know, well, I need to start somewhere, and and yoga seems. It's honestly always been something that's been a part of my life since I was really, really little. I had a connection to different yoga teachings, and I'm all about, you know, the the devotional appreciation of God and of Krishna, and you know, and that that yoga community helps to support so much of me, and and i feel so blessed that it's come this far this yoga practice is actually what takes care of so much of my emotional and my mental health as well so i really i really do like to share about yoga and and not just the physical movement of yoga but also the philosophy and the teachings because because learning that i'm not the body I'm not this body that has all these problems. I'm not this body that has all these things wrong and this pain and this suffering. Like I am an eternal being as we all are. And recognizing and identifying with that was was something that took me to that next level because there are so many stages of healing. And, and you have to get that the physical body to feel okay to some degree before you can even start to investigate or be curious about those other areas of your life.
0: What a story you have, seriously. And I just, it makes me think back to my own teenage years, honestly, and and we are about the same age. And just thinking about, you were not only going through the normal trials and tribulations of being a teenager, and even then with the body image issues, which is nothing to scoff at. Like that, I don't think people understand how, how severe that can be for a young woman. But then you have all of these other health challenges that you're having to navigate. And you have a supportive family. You've got people around you. But on some level, you have doctors that maybe aren't truly listening to what you're saying. And But at the same time, you know your body better than anybody. One of the concepts that's been the most interesting to me as I'm kind of diving into this cannabis wellness world is the, the concept of taking control of one's health and making a decision for oneself.
1: Like you said, we have to make that choice eventually that... You know, we work life for ourselves. So, so I did make that choice um, to start using cannabis so that my physical body could feel better. And then I started to make some other choices too. You know, I started to to look for some po- support online. So. Peer support is something that I just think everybody needs, no matter if you're going through illness or perhaps if you're, you know, suffering a loss, like if you're grieving or, you know, whatever it might be. I think knowing that you're not alone and and whatever it is that you're experiencing is so powerful and, and not just to, you know, in that figurative way of saying, well, I know there's other people out there. It's like, well, find people where, you know, their name. Right, And you know where they're from and you know what they like and, and, and what they listen to for music and, you know, what their pet's name is. And when you start to have those kind of connections with people, not only did it help me relate to my diabetes in a better way, but it actually opened me up to the beauty of this world that we live in yes. and how even though... Where, you know, I at first became involved with the diabetes and eating disorder community online, which is actually a very prevalent community, which if you're not in the diabetes space at all, like you definitely would probably have no awareness of that. But even people within the diabetes world, you know, people don't realize that there are such a high number of people with diabetes suffering from, from eating disorders, or yeah. as we want to say, disordered eating, because right. When you're diagnosed with diabetes, you're, you're forced to look at carbohydrate counts. It's, it's food, and it's insulin, and it's your weight, and it's, it's all those things. Like If you were to enter an eating disorder recovery program, all the things they tell you, we're not going to focus on this, we're not going to look at this, we're going to ignore this you don't get to do that with diabetes. You don't, you get right. none of that. So to even approach healing from disordered eating as a person with diabetes is very unique. And, and for me, that suffering was alleviated by, by some of the benefits of cannabis. So cannabis made me feel relaxed. Cannabis made me feel confident. Cannabis made me feel connected, you know, and part of it was like kind of a label I gave to myself like back in high school, I, I, wasn't the girl that drank, mm-hmm. you know, I was the girl that had a, a tie-dye Ben and Jerry's t-shirt from when I went up to Vermont to visit the factory. And I wore moccasins to the school <laughs> and I smoked weed on the weekends and at night sometimes. And like, you know, it wasn't like I was advertising this, but like it was more or less known. People and I liked that about myself. Right. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, and, and now, <laughs> now to be who I am these days, like, you know, I'm still very much that same girl that I was And, and I love that I could recognize that, that it wasn't that I was, you know, painting myself out to be anything that I wasn't, but it was, you know, for somebody that was so wrapped up in, in body image and, and who maybe I thought I should be. I think I did know who I was in in a, in a way. And, and I do believe that's because, you know, we have that connection to our higher self at all times, you know, whether, whether in this material world we're entrenched and, and whatever's happening to us, you know, that higher version of us, like I like to tell people, you know, think of it like, you know, it doesn't have to be you like blonde Heather, you know, wearing the same outfit or anything, but like that, that soul image of yourself, like they're always sitting right over there. And if you need them, You just have to turn and look and ask and 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 be aware that 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 higher version of you is always there they're not going
0: anywhere that's such a good but, you know, sentiment that's... too and, and <laughs> I, I wish i had had that awareness like as i've gotten older and maybe hopefully a little bit wiser and started down you know my healing journey i have had to kind of understand that that is a concept that i do have a real self and then i have the self that's been conditioned within the structures of my environment And it helps me look back at some of those challenges of teenage years, being in my 20s, kind of floundering for for certain times of my life and understanding that I was wrestling with not being in tune with my true self. And I I just totally resonate with your story. And I can't imagine what it would be like with the additional complexities of being a diabetic because I'm somebody that also struggled with eating disorder Um, at about 14, 15 I had been a heavy kid too, but picked up some anorexia and I've dealt with bulimia bouts throughout my adult life and it is challenging. And, and so as someone that has waged war on my own body, I understand there's a physical aspect of that and there's also a mental aspect of that. One of the concepts I'm I'm exploring right now is that cannabis helps us to take better care of ourselves. For me, I know that when I've smoked weed maybe the urge to purge is not as big and it's not because it went away, but it's because I'm deciding to take a higher path. Have, have you, have you found that in your use too, that it's able to kind of remind you like take care of Sarah right now? Definitely.
1: And I think um, part of that is, all, you know, alleviating some of those physical symptoms that I'm feeling. You no, know, it's hard for me to want to go teach a yoga class or to take a yoga class. If I'm feeling nauseous. Yeah. But if I can make that nausea go away, making the choice to go to yoga is very easy. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel good. This is easy. Right. Um, you know, everything becomes more difficult when when I when I feel nauseous or when I'm tired because my blood sugars have been on a roller coaster ride, you know, and and maybe, you know, maybe the cannabis isn't going to to make me feel motivated to go do some yoga but but maybe the cannabis is going to allow me to relax and to slow down and go take a nap. Yeah. Sometimes we need a break. Yeah. And so it's not about it's not about the cannabis fixing the problem so that I can go 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 and do do do. It's the cannabis coming into my life and and bringing me into that awareness that 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 relaxation that I'm feeling it's okay to lean into that because maybe you need that right now. And and really asking myself, what do you need? Do you need to alleviate the nausea so you can get in the car and go drive and teach to your students, you know, you know, or is it that, you know, okay, so this is, you know, a Saturday afternoon and, and I've been going all day cleaning and, and hanging with the dogs. And, and now I want to, you know, get on the computer and do some work, but like I'm tired and, and maybe I, I take some time to smoke a joint. Maybe I'm, I'm with my partner and, and we share that, that moment together. And then we sit and re- we relax together yeah. on the couch. You know, there's nothing wrong with taking that time for yourself. And, and I think letting go of that judgment or that guilt around, you know, needing to always be productive or, or, or needing to, to even use cannabis in a way to do more. It's like, well, you know, sometimes cannabis helps me do less because as, as a manifesting generator, so I'm also into something called human design and, and it's all about the way our our blueprint basically of, of who we are as a human, how we use our energy. And I'm, like I said, a manifesting generator. So, you know, I, I have a lot of ideas going. I, I want to do this. I want to do that. And I got a lot of energy going on too. So for me, cannabis really helps me to just kind of slow down, <laughs> relax, maybe, um, you know, take, take a few moments to be mindful of those next steps for me.
0: Wow. And and it clearly carries in your work. It's it's beautiful that you're that you're in tune and, and not only that, but you're helping other people get in tune too. So you're sharing that journey. You do have a platform where you get people together and and you you provide that personal resource to people that maybe need some support during difficult times or during health issues. How has it been for you coming out about the fact that you do use cannabis within your circles, within diabetes circles and eating disorder circles? Do they have stigma around it? It's probably kind of based on the individual, but what's your experience been?
1: As far as the diabetes community goes, I would actually say that I have had a very positive response. I was worried about that for some time, especially since I do travel a lot around the country to different diabetes conferences. So I'm asked to speak at these conferences. I'm asked to share yoga. And I I did think that perhaps maybe putting cannabis out there might prevent people from maybe wanting me to be a speaker, especially at any kind of event that might be more family oriented. So though, you know, some of, you know, the conferences that I do are for adults. I, I did worry that, you know, maybe organizations like JBRF would maybe not ask me to be involved because of the cannabis stuff. But, you know, that's something that, you know, if, if that does come up, it will be a conversation that I'll have to have. And it that conversation will, will definitely help me grow. And, Mm -hmm. And I know if, if I'm the one having the conversation, this person is going to leave feeling more educated and more aware about what cannabis really is. So, you know, I I do welcome the conversation. um, But as far as the diabetes world, that's been a place where I have felt really confident to come out and talk more about it because I know that so many people are struggling in, in the ways that I was and that I still do struggle. And, and I do want people to know that, cannabis looks like a lot of different things for different people. You know, some people smoke it, some people vape it, some people eat edibles. Like, and I, I do a little bit of it all. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a good person to kind of put myself out there. And, and I do think that, you know, I feel confident with everything that I'm doing that any of those weird stigmas that aren't true, you know, if they're pretty much, you can just, just from looking at me and my, you know, my social media presence, like, you can't call me lazy. You no. can't call me unintelligent or whatever, you know,
0: right. Hungry. Maybe <laughs> you inspire me to act and to do. And, and I'm glad to hear that you're able to like relax too, but you, you are so busy. You have built such a multi varied platform. Yeah. It's clear that you're not just sitting around twiddling your thumbs. Like you are out and accomplishing you have many accolades for such a young woman. So yeah. And you're using cannabis and That's definitely something that you can cite in the face of anyone getting in your face about it. (laughs) Oh gosh, how has that looked with like people like doctors? I know in the past, maybe you got some snide comments or even unfortunate reactions from your doctor because of your cannabis use. Can you share a little bit about that with listeners and just tell us what that felt like?
1: So the, the most trouble that I've run into with doctors is actually, um, people that have seen me in the hospital. So I like to start with giving them compassion because hey, they don't know me. And I know that they see a lot of people come through those doors and, and I need to put myself in their shoes of what have they seen? You know, how many times have they been lied to, or tried, you know, people try to manipulate them and, and, and they do know better, but I feel bad for them because you know if, if they listen to me and if they could understand where I was coming from, they'd become a better doctor. They'd become a better healer. You know, Have that you know, open your perspective up to my experience and to this individual. So I've had uh, um, doctors and hospitals take away pain medication um, as soon as I say that I'm a cannabis user. So if I'm being given um, things like Dilaudid or morphine because of the severe pain I'm in, and, and I will say, I hate that shit. Yeah. Um I don't want it but I also when I go to the hospital it's because I feel like I'm going to die. Right. Because I hate the hospital and I will avoid it at all costs because one I don't like the way I'm usually treated and two I don't trust them because mm-hmm. in my opinion people that work in hospitals doctors I have met nearly nobody that understands diabetes. And that is actually what terrifies me most about this global pandemic at the moment. It's that I'm afraid to go to the hospital because I don't think I'd die from a virus. I think I'd die from from negligence and from people not understanding type 1 diabetes and from people taking away my insulin pump from me or not allowing me to wear my, my CGM or... Or not believing me when I say that cannabis helps me and that I'm not a drug addict because I was hospitalized after not being in the hospital for so long. Actually, the, the irony was, was that I had finally become a cannabis patient and as soon as that happened, actually was never hospitalized again till this past November when the vape ban had been put into effect and had impacted my ability to access some of the products that I had found to be very useful. So I'm somebody that, you know, I, I smoke cannabis flower. I use, you know, a glass piece or a bong. I use, you know, I go joints. We do all sorts of stuff with cannabis and And one of the ways that I help to manage my symptoms is that pen. So that's what allows me to to use cannabis like right before yoga class or maybe when I'm commuting or traveling to somewhere that I'm, you know, I got a nice lease car now, like a big girl, like trying to have like better things, reliable transportation. And, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have my glass bowl and my lighter and my cup holder anymore. And I used to think to myself, I'm like, when's that day going to be when you don't have your cannabis in your car like that anymore? Like, you know, like a teenager in my mind where you're just like smoking bowls down the road. And, (laughs) And especially like, especially if I'm trying to be a responsible cannabis user. And I also want, you know, in this stage of my life as you know, an integrative cannabis coach and somebody that's trying to be respectful of this process of making cannabis legal and everything, you know, the rules of the road, like I'm trying to follow them these days, but you know, having that pen is what allows me to have um, relief during long car rides or, you know, when I'm commuting to my my yoga teaching um, opportunities and things like that. So I didn't have a vape pen and I wasn't able to use cannabis on a five and a half hour car ride to the Hamptons to a diabetes mastermind weekend that I had been looking forward to. And I ended up at a hospital in long Island. So I was um, at Stony Brook. I'll call them out. I'm going to say it anyways, (laughs) in the, in the Hamptons. And I'll tell you the experience I had there. I'm, (laughs) I don't even know how to process. I don't, I don't want to call it trauma, but I, yeah, the trauma of, all that happened during that whole thing oh, no. this past November, yeah. I've never been treated in such a way by a doctor, maybe once before um, locally close to this, but I actually had been sent home after being in the ER for about an hour or so. I think, gosh, maybe it was longer. I don't even know. They had, uh, Given me some fluids, but I was still vomiting, and and I was given some pain medication, which it started to help. And I was like, okay, like this is how this is how this works. We come, we get the fluids, we get the Zofran, and then we alternate that with Compazine, whatever it's called, the other one, and then and then we do the pain med- like there's this whole like process. And usually, my father, my dad is there with me. He's such a great advocate for me, and usually he's there to help kind of get. Get the ball rolling but but i was all alone i was i was five and a half hours away from any family member i did have some of my diabetes friends there which that was like the saving grace because at least they were there and they knew diabetes so that they could address those issues actually better than my own dad could um, in a way But after um, having some blood work done, and and I do, when I'm asked questions at hospitals because of of how I've been treated, I say, when when they ask me if any drug or alcohol use, I say no, because that's not the question that you, you didn't ask me, do I use cannabis? You asked me, do I use drugs and alcohol? And in my opinion, I don't. I don't know if they like saw cannabis in my blood work or whatever it was. But suddenly I had a doctor coming back to me saying that, I looked better. It was, it was actually really bizarre and I was really out of it. And I'm very angry. I was like, get talking now. I'm like, I'm angry that I wasn't able to, to speak up for myself in a different way because I was so just not with it at the time. But they gave me a piece of paper with numbers for substance abuse, hotline numbers, Mm and the prescription for Zofran and sent me out the door. I was back within a few hours in full-blown diabetic ketoacidosis, which is a life-threatening condition. So this doctor's negligence could have killed me. And I'm not even sure what to do with this right now because I'm not someone who wants to stir up all this legal stuff. But it was this doctor deciding that his opinion on cannabis use was more important than making sure this type 1 diabetic 29 year old woman was safe and stable so i ended up in the icu for days my father had to take a train and two ferries to come save me, basically, because <laughs> by car I had driven to the Hamptons. And, you know, this whole ordeal, like just I'm so I have such anger and I don't want to be angry, but I'm trying to see if I can alchemize that anger into a greater sense of purpose and passion with what I do for cannabis and for women with diabetes and gastroparesis and all these issues of cannabis, because believe it or not, you know, I'm not the only one. Right. So there's plenty of us who have found cannabis because we are we're in that state of desperation yeah. where, you know, you get to that desperate state and it's like, you just reach out your arms and you just say like, what can I do? Like, please, like, and, it, and if cannabis can help you, you know, you, you can start to see your life change. And and then to have somebody tell you you're wrong, that's not right. It just really, it really messes with you. And, right. and it really upsets me that, you know, I'm someone that feels confident in who I am and, And to be honest, I've, I've proven doctors wrong, you know, more than they've been able to prove that they're right. So for me, I feel empowered, but I I do think about all those other people that maybe don't feel the same sense of empowerment that I feel.
0: I think you're already helping shed awareness by talking about it, like right now and, and through other portions of your work. But And it just goes to show how dangerous the Schedule One classification of cannabis really is. That law around schedulization prevents doctors from ever exploring this as a thing. I don't want to put words in this doctor's mouth, but it sounds like it clouded his ability to take care of you. I've seen in hospitals too just kind of, I'm a bud tender and I talked about cannabis just a little bit when I had a family member who was in pain after surgery and I asked the doctor, I said, so what are our pain management options? And he was like, well, there's the opioid pills. And I said, what about cannabis? And he said, we didn't have this conversation and stormed out. And it just seemed ridiculous to me because those of us that know that cannabis can be a healing agent we're still being met with like this level of ignorance around the plant. But I think another important aspect of how you're approaching all of this is there's anger. You have personal anger from that moment and that's totally justified. And yet you have the compassion too. You are trying to add knowledge. And I know that through your work you already have, and you're going to continue to do that. Thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Oh. Yeah. And I'm really, I'm lucky like, At at the end of the day, what I choose to think about is the fact that my my primary care physician is very much in support of my use of cannabis. In fact, he is somebody that writes cannabis recommendations for people. So he, we met because I, I was, I had my own little table at a health fair. My first time as a cannabis coach, I was very excited. Um, it was put on by a local dispensary and he was placed next to me. His table was right there. So I met him and his lovely wife and we started talking and he told me all about his practice. So it's a, um, a direct primary care practice. So I pay a monthly fee. I pay, you know, one set fee a month, and I get to see him as much as I want. I get to text him. He does house calls, you know, osteopathic manipulation. So, um, like cranial sacral therapy. So it's kind of, you know, moving the body in a way. Very holistic. Keeps the whole body in mind. You know, one of my first appointments there, I brought up. I, in addition to having neuropathy throughout my body and gastroparesis, I also have been diagnosed with diabetic retinopathy, which is what leads to people with diabetes becoming blind potentially. So, you know, I'm still in the very early stages of that. But when I went to him to express um, some of my concerns, like, should I be seeing a specialist? And because I was told from my eye doctor, like, we'll just check next year and, and, you know, we'll talk then. And to me, I thought, well, should I ask more questions, you know? being a diligent patient after all these years and his response first was, okay. So when you think about this diagnosis, how do you, how does that make you feel? So he asked me how I felt. And then I told him, well, you know, it stresses me out and, and I feel anxious sometimes. And, and then he asked, what do you do when you feel anxious? And I was like, okay, I like you more <laughs> and, and not, I mean, I could have given him I'm a yoga teacher. I could give you a whole list here, but I kind of just was like, you know, some mindfulness and then he gave me a specific breathing exercise from Dr. Andrew wheel. And I was like, well, that just seals the deal. I love you. <laughs> and I will be coming here often. Um, okay. So I, I do stress to, to everyone um, that might be having some similar experiences in a hospital setting to find a, a team of people that will support you so that even, even when you feel angry at the doctor at the hospital, you know that the person that you see regularly is going to be there to support you. And, and not just, you know, in the, that regular way. You know, there are doctors out there that care and that ask you, how does that make you feel? And they care about your mental health as well. And and it's not to say that the person you're seeing might not be a great doctor, but no, you can fire your doctor. I hope that everyone is well aware. My dad, I, I love him so much. He's been there for me throughout a lot of my hospitalizations and a lot of my medical experiences. And, and he's a simple guy, you know, he's not in the medical field he's actually in construction and he's, you know, a project manager for these big construction projects. So, so really the body is not his wheelhouse, right. but he told me, um, long ago, you know, because he's that kind of manager kind of guy, uh, a leader, true leader. He said, you know, they work for you. You don't work for them. Like, you know, they work for you. You pay their bills, like, you know, right. like you give them their paycheck in a way. So So me feeling that way, like when I go into the hospital, you know, these people work for me, you are here to help me and I am in charge of you, not the other way around. This is my body. So, so we're focusing on my body. You're here to help me. Therefore, you need to listen to me. You need to listen to what I'm saying to you. And I, and I do realize that, you know, that, that doctors see all sorts of people. And I, and I know that there's varying levels of truth shared with these doctors and I'm sure there's a lot of pain on their end of feeling disappointed in, in what they're told and what's true and, and all that. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like what you said, like not letting your own opinion get in the way of of helping the person, the patient that's in front of you. And and though they're a patient, they're a person first. Yeah. Always.
0: Uh, Looking forward then, with all that being said, like, obviously, we have some disconnects in our healthcare system, you know, more than you, we could talk about that for years, but you personally have experienced some of those disconnects. And now, especially with the large response to COVID and people are suffering right now and our healthcare system is, is feeling fractured under the weight of that. How do we put it all back together? Like, what would you like to see in the next 10, 15 years, say, we've got integrative medicine, we've got functional medicine, we've got our traditional medicine. How do we put it all together in a way that actually promotes people? I think it, we
1: start by empowering individuals. Um, and I think, you know, at least, at least on my end, you know, I'm somebody that that enjoys telling my story. And I'm someone that enjoys telling the stories of others. And so, you know, with, with these podcast platforms, with YouTube and with all this, you know, social media stuff, you know, we're really changing the way that people approach how they get their information about health. And, and this is actually an ongoing conversation that I'm having with some of my peers, because I'm always very concerned with, you know, making sure I'm doing everything ethically and making sure that I'm keeping people safe. You know, I don't, I don't have a degree in nutrition. I have a certification and my certification is in integrative nutrition. And and I do believe that's a tricky phrase. So I graduated from the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is a very, very popular online program. Mm -hmm. It is an online program and holistic nutrition isn't, you know, you might think it's like, I I learned all about food and that's not the case. It's about all those areas of the body. So, so I do think that there's like a little wiggle room with you know, as a health coach, what you can lean into. So some people do take that food approach and, and though they're not providing people with meal plans per se, they are helping them to explore kind of the possibilities of what could work for them. And they're also adding in that accountability aspect. So, so as far as people integrating cannabis into their lifestyle more, or even any of these other kind of you know, esoteric healing modalities—you know, the things that only a few of us really understand. I think if we can just start to share more about how that they've helped us, you know, then maybe our mom goes and tries acupuncture, or our aunt, which I've had that happen now, and just keep those those stories coming along. You know, what helps you? For me, I enjoy telling stories of others. Just like you know, you're having me share my story today. I invite women on to um, my Grace and Growth podcast, so. I I didn't even know it was going to be a podcast. gosh. I've been waiting to release a, an astrology and cannabis one for so long that that a secret baby was born, <laughs> um, and not out of really much planning, but out of necessity and out of um, a need and a desire to to highlight how amazing these women are, and and how we've all been through different experiences, similar experiences in many ways, but we've all you know been able to grow by different means and and what helps you to grow. So, so for me, things that have helped me grow, you know, cannabis, um, my connection to peer support, yoga, my connection to astrology and, and to the tarot and, and to numerology and things like human design. Like I, I definitely lean into the woo stuff for sure. Um, but, but what I hope, um, even with all of that is to help, you know, people integrate that into their everyday life. And, you know, you don't have to start wearing, you know, you know, a tarot card shirt. I got the high priestess <laughs> shirt on today, or, you know, you don't have to buy mala beads or, you know, have a incense burning or anything like that. Like what makes sense to you? Like what makes you feel like, okay, like that helps me to identify, um, you know, with, with my lived experience a little bit more. And, and I think, you know, through something like astrology, especially like, you're forced to kind of look at not just the good aspects of who you are, but maybe those aspects that might be a little shadowy might be a little challenging. And when we are able to really look at ourselves, both the good and the bad, we can find that self-acceptance, I think much more easily than if we start to try to compartmentalize who we are, you know, like you got to look at all parts. You can't focus on all the bad either. I think that's important too, is that, you know, instead of focusing on all the things that you're doing wrong, maybe just focus on all the things that you're doing right and start there, you know, shifting that mindset. But, but having awareness is really where it all starts. So, so for me, identifying with some of the aspects found within my natal chart really opened up, um, And identification of of who I am at a, at a soul level, especially within this incarnation. So, you know, we, if you think about, you know, epigenetics, right. So our genes are, are you know, expressed because of environmental factors, right. Well, it's, it's pretty silly to think that the environment is only what's within, you know, this gravitational field of earth, right. So it's very silly to think that, we're not including the solar system as part of our environment. So if you think about how things are being expressed within within you and, and thinking of that connection to the planets and the energy above, I mean, it's hard for me to watch the news and stuff right now. And, and you know, as the weeks have been leading up, especially to this stuff here, because, you know, I was seeing stuff in the stars yeah. and many astrologers, you know, people know a lot more than I do. And I'm listening and I'm learning and I'm seeing and I'm like <gasps> right. But you know what though? Sometimes you gotta look. It's like when you get like when you get get a cut or something and you're like, Oh my god, I don't even wanna look at like a bat <laughs> like you fall off your bike like you eat shit or something off the handlebars and you're like, I don't even wanna look at it and you're like, Ah, like okay, it's not that bad. I can put some maybe like hydrogen peroxide on it or whatever and I don't know. Maybe that's a bad analogy, but it's like, you have to look at that, that thing. It's like, um, you know, when you get that feeling like somebody in my house and you have to just open the shower curtain, you just got to look real quick. Um, just take a peek because guess what? You might see that there's nothing there. Yeah.
0: You know, looking at the truth, you know, and that's something that you and I have talked about offline a little bit. Is like, acknowledging the darkness is such an important aspect when you push things down, like they start to creep out in other ways and, and like maybe like depression or just so many things come out of, of burying darkness as opposed to looking at it. So yeah, you gotta look at that cut. You gotta assess what it looks like. How dangerous is this? How likely is this to really harm my life? And if it's something that I need to take action about, okay, better for me to know that than like ignore it. So yeah, I think that's, that's absolutely important. And it is challenging right now, looking at the macro situation, right? The global situation, we've got a lot of hardship and, um, I am not someone that's super knowledgeable about astrology, but I have friends like you and a few other colleagues who, who are correlating that star movement with, with some of our global shifts. And it's incredibly interesting. So yeah, we got to keep looking at it, right? We can't, can't stop seeking what the truth is. Sarah, this is so amazing. Is there anything else that you wanna share with people just about wellness or maybe a tip or trick before we sign off today?
1: I think just, you know, get to know yourself. You know, there's there's plenty of time to have social connections you know, e- later on, or even through things like these Zoom calls that we're seeing pop up and everything like that. I would suggest, especially during during this time period, um, for people to just really start to tune into to who they really are and what they really want, and and to do that in your own way. You know, whether it's through journaling or through you know making something like art or or food or you know creating something. You know, I think I think when we express our creativity, it helps to show us you know, what really lights us up, what really, you know, what do we want to put into this material world? I think finding time for stillness, you know, listening to the advice of the Buddha, you know, having time for silence, stillness, and and just being with yourself so that you can really become aware of what life really is. Because when we're moving at such a fast pace, like it's hard to process everything, it's hard to digest everything, you know, and, and we're not just consuming food we're consuming thoughts and we're consuming ideas and and, and all this stuff and and how do we how do we let that digest and settle within us um, so that we can we can use what we're taking in to put things back out into the world around us yeah
0: so well put thank you how can people find you sarah online if they want to follow your story and then your continued work i'm sure people will be quite interested to follow along Sure. Yeah, you can
1: find me at Plutonian Pancreas. So Pluto, like the planet, Plutonian, P L U T O N I A N, and then pancreas, P A N C R E A S. Uh, That's the best place to find me for sure.
0: Great. Well, and I'll link to that in show notes once we publish the episode. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today, Sarah. Seriously, I just can't wait to continue to follow each other's work and and help support one another. I really believe in what you're doing, and just thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Heather. This was, this was so fun and so good to, to be on this call, see your face. And I just feel so lit up from this, this conversation. So I, I, I thank you for inviting me. Take
0: care. So that's today's show. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and that this conversation can provide some value to you in your life. I'm all about hosting conversations about cannabis and plant medicine and then sharing the benefits of intentional use with all of you. For show notes and information about past guests, please visit the Bud and Blossom podcast on your favorite podcasting app. The show will also be linked from my blog's website, budandblossom.blog. Finally, you can follow along with the show on Instagram. The account for the show is at bud underscore n underscore blossom underscore pod. Bud and Blossom Pod. Anyway, see you next time. Stay high and happy, my friends.